every heart in this space you know exactly what each person is going through you know what walls need to come down what chains need to be broken for all to be able to freely truly worship you Lord thank you for this space and thank you Lord that we can come together glorify majestic Father in heaven. Thank you for being in our midst. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to just break down the walls, break the chains. Let us walk away from this place knowing and seeing the face of Jesus. Whatever commitments need to be made, Lord, Pray that you will give the courage through the power of your Holy Spirit to each person that needs to make a decision today for you. We pray this in the name, the most holy name in the universe, Jesus. Amen. So, I would like to know, with a show of hands, how many of you here in this space just absolutely love to exercise? You just love it. Raise your hand. Look around, people. These are all the freaks in the room. <laughs> Every single one of you. So, I do not love to exercise. The purpose of why I exercise is because I love to be active. I love to do stuff. And I want one day to think in the future when my children have babies a long way away, if you're hearing Haley and Noah back there, um, I want to be able to surf with my grandchildren. So I have to stay active. So I exercise for the reason of loving to be active and doing the things that I love to do, right? What if I came to some of you, people who raised your hands, and I said to you, I want to put on 20 pounds of muscle mass. I want to grow my muscles. Some of you are just getting excited right now. I want to grow my muscles, and I want to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Some of you in this room, real quick, would say this. Oh, you just perked up. I know exactly what you need to do. I know what kind of food you need to eat. I know the regiment of how many times a day you need to eat and what you need to eat at what time exactly. And after those five meals a day, then you come to the gym and I know exactly the workout regimen that you have to do for this much time for you to put on that much weight. Some of you freakishly know exactly what I'm talking about and how to do that. 
So if I hired you to be my personal trainer, I showed up to the gym in my yoga pants, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work out with you, and you're ready to go. You're frothing at the mouth. I'm just going gonna, gonna to make this, ooh, this is going to be good. But I bring my own weights. And I say, oh, I didn't inform you. This is all I want to use. And you think you can't do, it doesn't make sense. Nope, this is all I want to use. I can work out with this. Ooh, I can work, I feel good working out with this. This is enough, isn't it, Pastor Juan? This is enough. Because, you know what, I, I don't like feeling sore my whole days of weeks after one workout. I don't like that I feel like I'm going to die when I do a squat with more weight than I weigh. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to be uncomfortable. So all I want to use is this little five-pound weight. It's it. I don't want to put on it. I don't want to do anything else. Can you accomplish growing 25 pounds, Jason, with a five-pound weight. I know you work out in secret. I see your muscles growing. And, and so, so can you do, I don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, there was a day that I thought I might like CrossFit. And I asked Pastor Juan when he first came here to be a pastor, and he says, come, come work out with me. I was really, honestly, I was tired of throwing up after the workout. I was tired of feeling like in the middle of the workout, there was forms of blackouts and blinking lights after every work. I don't want to be uncomfortable when I work out. So I am comfortable with a five-pound weight. I'm good with that. This week, my daughter calls me up, and she says, Dad, I'm listening to a leadership podcast, and I love this phrase. And, and so... Um, this is the phrase, I love this. There is no growth in comfort. Say that with me. There is, isn't that awesome? Listening to a podcast, what is she doing? Trying to impress her dad. I thought it was pretty awesome, it did impress me. But there is no growth in comfort. It's sort of the same thing we do in our spiritual lives, Right? When you chose to follow Jesus, maybe it was the day you got baptized, you were on fire. I mean, you were just, yeah. Or maybe it was a conference that you went to, a retreat that you went to. Maybe it was a book that you read or a song that you heard or a worship um, experience that you had and you came out of that and you're like, yes. I love you. I'm willing to do anything for you, God. Come on, let's do it. And then a week went by. A month went by. A year went by. And that raging flame of excitement and joy and passion started to just burn into a small ember. You ever experienced that? The flame is out, 
You go back to whatever normal routine you were used to before. You get back to being comfortable and you get distracted by whatever. And you stop growing. And somewhere along our spiritual journey, there will be a time that we stop growing in Jesus. There will be seasons in your spiritual journey where there feels like there is stagnation in your life, spiritually. And we try to do stuff for our spiritual life. We try to be committed. I'm going to go to church once a week. That's what I'll do. Just doesn't feel like it's enough, is it? It's just like trying to grow muscles with a five pound weight. It's hard to do. You know, it, it happened to the church of Corinth. And the early church was absolutely on fire for Jesus. And we've, we've been studying this early church movement for a little over a year now. And, and they were on fire for what they had witnessed and seen and now what they are still seeing in the booming growth of the church. In the church of, of Corinth, Paul went there with a few of his leaders. And they, this was a very, very pagan city, by the way. And, and they go into this very pagan city and they preach the gospel and they share the gospel. And they even spent, Paul even spent a year and a half and people were on fire and they were being baptized and the church at Corinth was growing. And then just a few years later, the Corinthian believers stopped growing. And so as we open up the word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is a story that I believe we as a modern day church can relate to well. If Paul were alive today, I believe that he might send this same letter to churches across America. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he starts off, brothers and sisters, by the way, that is a term acknowledging that they are still believers. He's not calling them anything different. He's saying, brothers and sisters, they are still believers. And he says, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Now there's a lot of words in here that we need to unscramble. So what does it mean to live by the Spirit? And what does it mean to live worldly? Well, it's a horrible translation of the original. It's not really worldly. But what they're getting at, I get it. But it, it is saying, it should read like this, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who still live by the flesh. That's what it actually says in the Greek. And so what's the difference between living in the Spirit and living in the flesh? 
living in the flesh. This is what it is. I choose to make my own decisions and do whatever I want, whatever feels good, I choose that. Whatever I want to do, guess what? I get to do, I make my own decisions. Regardless of the consequences to the people around me or to myself, I choose what I want to do, living in the flesh, versus living in the spirit, okay? Living in the spirit is simply this. Now, because Jesus lives in you, you filter every decision, every action, everything that you do, you filter through a simple phrase. Is what I'm about to do glorify God? Is the decision that I'm about to make, will it make the name of Jesus great? Let's put it in these terms. Let's say you're an employer. You have to fire somebody. How am I going to fire this person that is in front of me and honor God in the process? Let's say you're the employee getting fired. And when you sit and you listen, how am I going to respond in a God-honoring way as I get fired? Even if it's for the wrong reasons, how do I honor Jesus in getting fired? Those are tough situations. And let's make it a little fun. Let's say you go out, guys, you have your car, you just spent a lot of money on your awesome wheels, and your wife says, can I take it for a spin to work today? Sure. And she curbs the wheels. Now, my wife's never done that before. Trust me, she has not. But then you have to say this. Lord, how do I glorify and honor you in that conversation? And the Lord says, just be silent. And guess what? You've honored God. You've glorified God by that. So no matter what you do, when you live in the Spirit, there's a filter. And every action, every word, every decision you make, Will it glorify God? Because God lives in me. What am I doing to make the name of Jesus famous and to glorify him in all that I do? Spirit versus the flesh. And so let's read it again. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live in the spirit, but as people who live in the flesh, making your own decisions, doing your own thing, doing whatever you want. You are being mere infants in Christ. And unfortunately, they stopped growing in God. And Paul says that that was like spiritual infancy. And he goes on to to describe that analogy of spiritual infancy. And he says, I gave you milk, not solid food. For You were not ready for it when I came to you the first time. I gave you the elementary truths of God when I first came to you. Things that were palatable so that you could swallow. And he says, when I came to you, that's what I gave you is milk. And he says, but indeed, you are still not ready for solid food. Paul started with the basics of faith. 
like milk to newborn babies. Paul desired for them to keep growing in maturity even after he was gone. And sadly, the Corinthian Christians were still not ready for that solid food. And one thing that is for certain, that when there is a lack of spiritual growth, Paul is calling it spiritual infancy, when there is a lack of spiritual growth, there will always be potential for a toxic environment. Always. When there is a lack of spiritual growth within the body of Christ, within a marriage, within the family, wherever it is that you're at, your work environment, there will always be potential for a toxic environment. And Paul says it. He calls it out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, see, lack of spiritual growth, toxic environment. So there is jealousy going on, there is quarreling going on. And we'll talk about what they were quarreling about in a few seconds here. Uh, so for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans living in the flesh versus in the spirit? What's going on here? And so here's the confusing thing about the English language versus the Greek language. This word that we already described as worldly is a completely different word than in verse 1. So verse 1 was flesh, in the flesh. This one here in verse 3 is actually a word that means controlled by the flesh. Isn't that weird? So you are still controlled by the flesh. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not still controlled by the flesh? It reads a little different, doesn't it? And so the word for Paul, this word carries out a rebuke. Paul was frustrated because it is natural that new Christians would be more like infants, but after several years of knowing Christ, there should be some sense of spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, and he was frustrated that he was hearing about some of these things and nothing was happening. And so here the word refers to an actual intentional immaturity and a refusal to grow in Jesus. In other words, they knew what they needed to do to grow in Jesus but refused to do it because they were comfortable. So now we are going down the route of borderline rebellion against what they know is right and they refuse to do it because it's uncomfortable. Spiritual immaturity creates disunity within the body of Christ. And because they stopped growing in Christ, they were fighting over, this is, what, this is so stupid. Do you know what they were fighting over? They were fighting over which preacher was the greatest. Could you imagine that? That's what they were fighting over, just one of the things. There are also a lot of spiritual arrogance that took place here in the Corinthian church. They also bragged about, well, this is my spiritual gift. Oh, well, this is my spiritual gift. And they're all bragging about their spiritual gifts and which one got what and which one was greater than that. 
But here they were arguing over which preacher was the greatest. So Paul continues. He says in verse 4, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, well, I follow Apollos, are you not being mere human beings? Verse 5, he sets the record straight. In other words, there's nothing great about who we are as Paul and Apollos, as preachers. There's nothing great about us. And so he sets the record straight and he says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? And what, is that, what does he call him? Oh, we're only servants. We are mere servants of the Most High God. That's all we are. And you're arguing over this foolishness. That was spiritual infancy that was arguing over foolishness. And it was breaking the unity of the local church there in Corinth. Paul couldn't believe that they were allowing this issue to destroy the unity of God, or the unity of the body of Christ. And he, here's, here's where there's kind of a chord change, and, and Paul starts to um, turn now to what the purpose of what they're supposed to focus on. And in verse 6, he says this, I, Paul, I planted the seed. That's past tense. Planted is past tense. So the English language gets that right. Apollos watered it. Planting, watering. Paul planted and Apollos watered the seed. But God has been making it grow. We don't do the growing the only thing that we need to be doing as followers is planting and watering. Planting and watering. So you got two past tense verse, verses here. I planted in the past. Apollos watered it in the past. But God has been making it grow. That is a continuous action that never ends. It's linear. It goes forever and ever and ever. God never stops doing the growing. The only thing that stops the growing is your personal choices in defiance saying, I will not grow because I'm comfortable. It's the only thing. The only thing. But if you choose to be obedient to the Father in what he's calling us to do, planting, watering, you will grow. And that growth never ends. It is continuous. Isn't that beautiful? Paul's point in this was regardless of who plants and who waters, nothing will result if God doesn't make it grow. And he reemphasizes that in verse 7. He says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. He is going back to the fact that this is what servants do. We plant and water. There's nothing great about that. The greatness comes from the growth, and that's done by God. And he says, but only God who makes things grow. We're only called to plant and to water. God will take care of the rest. He goes on and he says, listen carefully. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. One purpose. And what is that one purpose? 
to plant, and to water. That is it. Our purpose is to plant and water. And they had lost sight of their God-ordained given purpose as a local church to plant and water. And they stopped growing because they stopped planting and watering. We have one purpose, Paul says to the Corinthian church. Plant and water. Verse 9, mind-blowing. For we are co-workers... What does that mean? What does a coworker mean? Huh? Some of you who work at work, who's your coworker? Can you name them? Who's the people you work with? Coworkers. So we are coworkers with who? Crazy. In God's service. Now, let me just talk to those of you who are business owners. Okay? Um, if you're a business owner, and um, you want to partner in your business with somebody. And uh, you start looking around, and you um, hear a person's name, but you know that their reputation is this. They have failed at multiple businesses. They have bankrupt um, numerous businesses. Their whole attitude is status quo is good enough. Would you, in your right mind, partner with that individual in your business? Come on, entrepreneurs. Would you partner with that person in your business? No, it doesn't make sense. But that is precisely what God does to us. That's precise. When we say that we are co-workers with God, we are failures over and over again. We have gone morally bankrupt over and over again, and God says, you know what? I want you as a church to represent me in the kingdom building of my business here on earth. Regardless of what you've done in your past, last night, this morning, God says, good morning, coworker. Are you ready to plant and water? Because he says, you're my representatives to the world. The body of Christ is the reflection of Jesus to the rest of the world. And he's willing to partner with you and me and all of our failures, regardless of the risk of reputation. He's not worried about his reputation. So don't worry about your reputation. You just worry about doing what's right and growing in Christ and planting and watering over and over and over again. Because his growing is endless. It never stops. So let me ask you this um, question. What is stopping you from living out God's purpose of planting and watering? There's a question up on the screen. And the question is, is what is preventing you from growing in Christ? What is preventing you in growing in Christ? Right now. What is preventing you in growing in Christ? 
What I'd like you to do is type that out, write it out, memorize that question. Say it out loud with me. What is, say it in, in, in first person, me. What is preventing me from growing in Christ? Let's try that again. What is preventing from growing in Christ? Think that one through. I 100% believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and that he is active in this room, in this place right now. And I believe that he will bring to your mind, to your heart right now, on whatever it is that is preventing you from growing in Christ. What is that? Name it in your heart. Name it in your mind. What must be surrendered in your life right now to Jesus? What do you need to lay down to the altar of sacrifice in order to give God the room in your life that he deserves? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to surrender? Where in your marriage are you making room for Christ? Where in your family are you making room for Christ? Where in your friendships are you making room for Christ? Where in your workplace are you making room for Christ? Where in your neighborhood are you making room for Christ? Where in your leisure time are you making room for Christ? The Bible says that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want a single room in the busyness of your life. He wants all of it. So when I mention what kind of room are you making, that means what are you having to lay down? What are you having to surrender in your life right now to give God all the room to permeate through your whole entire life, wherever it is, your family life, your marriage life, your friendship life, your leisure life, your work life, your neighborhood life, your church life. What is preventing you from growing in Christ and giving God all the room of your life? I believe that there may be people here in this room that cannot let something go. Here's where I'm going to need some help here from the audience. If you are madly in love with Jesus and you believe in the power of prayer, I'm asking, I'm asking you in the, that you will stand and pray over some people in this moment as we sing this song. If there is a person here that when, when I ask the question, what is preventing me from growing in Christ? 
and you knew immediately what that was. It's something that you just can't, in your own power, you just can't, it's got a grip on you. It's got its chains around you. And you can't do it on your own. And if it's something that is so heavy, you don't have to share what that is. But you can come to the front and there are people who live a life of prayer that will lay hands on you for breakthrough to happen right here and today to give you the strength and the courage to let go of whatever it is that you are holding on to in order for you to grow? Is it a sin? Is it a relationship? Is it your work? What is it that you need to let go? And if it's something you're overwhelmed, please come down here let us pray over you. There are people in the audience that will stand up and follow you down, lay their hands on you, and pray in the name of Jesus for breakthrough to happen. Father God, in this moment, as we sing this last song, I'm praying that people will be moved to truly let go, surrender all, to lay down at the altar of sacrifice whatever they need, whatever it is that's preventing them to move forward to growing in you. I pray in this moment that there will be breakthrough that takes place. And I pray that hearts will turn to you day and night, night and day, and worship and declare the glory of God living in the spirit, truly living in the spirit, day and night, night and day, worshiping our almighty God. And Lord, I'm praying for those in the room that are just, there's a spiritual battle going on. And if they need somebody to pray over them because they cannot themselves, give them the courage to come forward to be prayed for. We pray this in the name of Jesus.